Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. So we're going to continue. This is part number part six of our study on 144,000. And I don't know how many of you are truly uh, picking up light in what God is sharing with us from this particular passage. So we go right on to Revelation 14. Uh, we'll look at verse 1. Today I'm actually going to be dealing with uh, three works three dimensions of our walk with God but I still need to touch briefly on definition I was given or I'm giving on Mount Zion and so we read again Revelation 14 verse 1 and behold and, and, and I look and behold a lamb stood on Mount Zion and with him 144,000 having his father's name written in their foreheads. I tried to emphasize that last time. The name is not written on, but it's written in. And I want you to get that because very important. Amen? It is something that is within. It's not external. So it's not something you see on your forehead walking on the road. And if you can find this name on people's forehead walking by on the road because they are believers, then you are also beginning to see that the mark of the beast is not something you see on people's forehead. If this name is in nature, the character of God, it means the beastly nature is what you receive when you receive the mark of the beast. You're just walking as a beast. It had nothing to do with the literal mark 666 on anybody's forehead. Or else, you tell me what is the name of God that's written in your heart or in your head. All right, so uh, last week I tried to, or the other week, I tried to also make us see uh, how much we've been able to accomplish when you come to Mount Zion. The dimension of your life and walk with God, and I tried to emphasize the fact that Mount Zion speaks of a higher realm, spiritual dimension, and uh, everyone that is moved up there experiences a different life from those down below because David was up among Zion himself and his children. They were all there. So we have the prince and the princess and the kings up while the remaining people were down below. Hallelujah. Praise God. So being in Zion, like I said before, had to do with uh, a higher realm in God's spirit where uh, our relationship, the sound is getting too high, check it. Where our relationship uh, uh, of the Christ spirit is to be exercised, you know. It is a high realm where the mind of God is made known and communicated to the rest of creation in judgment based on true righteousness and holiness. Mount Zion is a place. Mount Zion is a place where we say we're talking about the true righteous judgment of God is being manifested. The realm is the spirit. Praise the Lord. Uh, look at Psalm 45, verse number 4. Psalm 45, verse number 4. Praise God. And here it says, And in the majesty arrived prosperously because of truth and meekness and righteousness, and the right hand shall teach thee terrible things. This is talking about Christ riding. How is he going to be riding? Look at the qualities by which he rides. Majesty right prosperously because of truth and what? Right or meekness and what? Righteousness. And he says, 
and in her right hand shall teach thee terrible things. Talking about the judgment. But now, this is the judgment of God that comes in righteousness and holiness. That's what I'm trying to say. In Mount Zion is where you experience all of these things. Okay, let me show you something. Isaiah chapter 11 verse 9. Isaiah 11 verse 9. They shall not halt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now the first thing I want you to know there is in this holy mountain they shall not halt. Praise the living God. They shall not halt in all the holy mountains. And I want you to get that because it's very important. In this mountain, they shall not hurt. It also means in this mountain, things shall not hurt you. You may go through stuff, but that is not to say you can be hurt by them. It's just like you find the children of Israel, Meshach, Benjamin, and Abednego, go through that fire. The Bible says not even their hair was singed. They shall not hurt in this holy mountain. Even if you're going through pressure as a believer, no pressure is capable to swallow you up. The spirit of Christ that you have received continuously sustains you above all of those things that are called pressures. Praise the Lord. Amen? Okay. Look at verse 6 again. Psalm 45 verse number 6. Psalm 45 verse number 6. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the scepter of thy kingdom is what? A right scepter. The scepter of righteousness. The authority of righteousness. Praise the Lord. Amen? And what do you do with this in Zion? What does God do or Christ exercising this authority in Zion? Look at that in Psalm 2 verse number 9. Psalm 2 verse number 9 Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a possessed vessel So here we're talking about the authority that is used from the throne of Christ to control or subdue the nations Praise the living God Amen Now listen to this This is not the rod that how do I put it now when you read this ordinarily, you think it has to do with some kind of power where you, you, know, you shut down people, you break people's head or whatever in terms of rulership. That's not what he's talking about. You have to understand, the rod of a shepherd is basically meant to guide. This is a shepherding rod. It's not a destructive rod. Jesus does not exhibit a destructive tendencies. You must understand that. Praise the living God. Come on, are we here together? Right. So, we're talking about a rod. That actually, this rod is the one that comes out of his mouth. Sharp to edge a sword. It's the same thing. Like you find in the book of Revelation. So, what does he do with that? It's to rule the nation means bringing them into the fold by implication. Causing his life to go into the life of the people. Subduing them, not by force, not by coercion, but by dancing gentle spirit. That was a contest I read some time ago. The wind and the sun. Now, the sun, the contest was who is the strongest man of the two, the wind and the sun. So now, that's okay. Let the wind start first. So the wind start blowing. And there was this man they want to use for the experiment, whatever it is. And the man was putting on a suit. So the wind started coming and the man had to, you know, grab his suit, tie up his suit. Heavily is coming, but he has to button up and all of that. So by the time the wind was over, I was again, that the sun come up. And the sun was coming in a gentle manner. He was in. No vibration, nothing, whatever. You understand that? He just started rising gradually. Gradually, the man was enjoying himself. You know, all of a sudden, he started feeling heat inside. So he started, <laughs> he started unbuttoning his dress. Gradually, he unbuttoned the heat. 
intensified. And what's the next thing? He pulled off his coat. So who is the strongest man? The son. But there was no noise. There was nothing. I don't know if you're getting that. The love of God melts. We said that before. The strongest hearts in people. It doesn't make noise. It doesn't. I mean, the love of God melts the strongest heart. We, we said that before when he said, pray for your enemies. How many of you understand that? Very good. So he just like the sun. No, no noise, nothing. But the heat just keep coming. The next thing you pull in off your dresses. The wind will come, make all of the noise, want to tear the roof. I mean, what happens? You always try to protect yourself. You have to sit there. But when the sun comes on, hey, you just start pulling off. But no noise, no vibration, whatever. That's the nature of the rulership of God. It penetrates in a gentle manner. But it succeeds in conquering the most stupid, <laughs> in quote, of any heart. No matter how hard your heart is, the love of God will melt it. So the rulership of God we're talking about rod, it's not like, you know, the rod you use in cracking people's head or something like that. The best thing you can say about this rod is the shepherd rod. Praise the living God. You know the shepherd rod, how he uses the rod to guide the sheep, wherever, you know, whatever it is. That's exactly what we're talking about. Moses had a shepherd rod, remember that. Praise the living God. Okay. So that is that, and I want you to get that. Um, so you go to Psalm, I mean Philippians 2 verse 10. Let me show you what happens. Philippians 2 verse 10. And it says, That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, of things in heaven, of things in earth, and things undone in the earth. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Now, I'm trying to describe for you how this works. It's not by force. It's not by coercion. Amen? Praise the living God. But there is a force that comes by this name and it changes situation. It changes the hardest heart. Melts the hardest of hearts and subdue them. Praise the living God. So that's the thing I want you to see. You know? And Solomon described this Christ spirit. Remember what I'm saying. You said you want to get out with Jesus or standing together with him on Zion. Meaning you are sharing the same spirit. You are sharing the same mindset. You are sharing the same power. You are sharing the same authority. So, the first thing I want you to see is how does Christ conquer people? It's not by force. But a gentleness of his spirit. Yet, he subdues all men. Praise the living God. But the gentleness of his word, I want you to get it. Because the man Zion is ruling, is the place of the throne. Okay, look at um, Proverbs 8, verse 23. Proverbs 8, 23. I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning, or ever the earth was. Talking about wisdom, talking about Christ. Solomon was trying to describe that. Amen? Praise the living God. So I want you to get this. That this is a higher dimension of life that God intends us to live in, that God is bringing us into. Now, if you read, if you read Genesis 22, verse 4, you'll be able to see the picture of when God spoke to Abraham to go sacrifice Isaac. But verse 4 is very important. And when he was going, he went together with the servant Eliezer. And then we're going now to Mount Moriah where we're going to sacrifice Isaac. But the Bible says on the third day, look at this. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place of fire off. On the third day, what the next day that followed? Verse number five. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide here with the axe, and I and the land will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Think about that. The column progressed beyond the level that they were. Only Abraham and Isaac went up. Remember, that means they continue for three days' journey, or as the case may be, you know, to get to the mountain. On the third day they saw, but they were asked to stay behind. So there are some people who cannot assess the mountain of God. Hallelujah. 
They are believers. But I'll tell you who they are. They are servants. They are in the realm of that which is called bondage. What is the third day? If you want to take time to look at it. Amen. Now, this is a dimension where you really see and you understand the way it's supposed to be. You see clearly, you come to the place of clarity. If you're still confused as a believer, you'll be going with me to 1 Corinthians 14 verse 35. If you still lose confused as to whether I should have God, I should continue being a Christian, if you still have confusion in your spirit, then of course. But what I'm trying to make you understand is if you are still confusing your spirit in any manner, praise the living God, then you have not ascended onto that mountain. You've not come up to that mountain. For in the spirit of Christ, there is no confusion. Amen? So if you're still battling in your mind, still thinking, as to whether you must continue with the faith or as the case may be, you have not yet come up to that place where in the true sense, the spirit of Christ is moving and working in your life. Praise the living God. Are you there with me? All right. So, again, I want to make you see, like I said before, the 12 tribes were down below the mountain. Remember that. But, David and his son and the wives, they were up where? In the mountain. Don't forget, this is a community of what I would call believers, children of Israel. But the king and his people were up in the mountain. The remaining people were down below. Hallelujah. So I need you to get this point right. What am I trying to say? There is a dimension where you have stability in the spirit. Where you have absolute conviction in the spirit dimension. Because of your relationship with God and your work with God. And that is called Mount Zion. That's a place where rulership is, where authority is. At this dimension, like I'm trying to say, your words carry power. Your presence exudes God. The life of God. Wherever you find yourself. There's a flow of God's life that comes out of you even when you uttered nothing. Praise the living God. Are you still there? So, if you are up in this mountain or as a believer and you still have issues, you are still being told to and fro by every doctrine and the slight of men, according to Ephesians 4, verse 14, 13, 14, you have not ascended yet onto this mountain. If you are still debating what to believe and what not to believe, you have not yet ascended this mountain. And this mountain is true stability. Remember what Jesus asked the disciples when he said, eat my flesh and drink my blood and you have life. And the people say, well, we, we are not cannibals. And then they decide to go away. What happened? Jesus asked them a question, Peter and all that. Will you also go away? Or it's like saying, why are you still standing here when people are going away because of what I taught or what I said? Eat my flesh and drink my blood. What was the response that Peter gave? To whom shall we go? For that have the world of life. These are stable people. They are not confused. They know exactly where they are going to. They know what to believe. Iman Zion is stability of, I mean, of understanding that no man just comes with any form of doctrine and tosses you out to and fro. Praise the living God. Are you still there with me? So I want you to get it because very important. Very, very important. Now let me show you this now. Regard to the third day, Luke chapter 13, verse 32. Luke 13, verse 32. Now, they told Jesus that Herod is trying to look for him and try to kill him or whatever the case may be. People came to him. Go back a little bit. Let's look at it from verse uh, 30, if you like. Verse 30. And behold, there are 
Last squeeze shall be first and fourth that shall be the last. Okay, verse 31. And he said, Then the same day there came certain of the Pharisees saying unto him, Get thee out and depart hence, for Herod will kill you. Get out of this place, for Herod will kill you. Don't keep on teaching this. Don't keep on, just leave this vicinity. What was his reply to them? And he said unto them, Go ye and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out devils, and I do cures today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I shall be perfected. You know what that means? Remember, Genesis 22 verse 4, Abraham saw the third day of Pharaoh. Can you remember now? Can you get that? Good. And here, now the third day he saw it of Pharaoh. And yet, Jesus is saying, go tell Herod, I'm doing death, casting out devils now, doing cures right now, but on the third day I shall be perfected. What is that supposed to mean? The eye there is speaking of his body, which is his church. Is that okay? It's another way of saying, if Herod even kills me, there are going to be a lot of other Jesuses that will arise after my death and resurrection. Did you get the point now? But that is happening on the third day. So it's a new realm, it's a new dimension of realm in the spirit. Beyond the normal traditional religious thing that we do. So go tell that fox. I'm doing that today. Now, was he the one doing all of those things? His disciples were doing all of that. Yes, we're doing all of this thing. But on the third day, I, which is my body, which is the body of Christ, which is the church, shall be perfected. We'll come to the place of maturity. That's what perfection means there. Praise the Lord. Are we still here? And that is why you read in Ephesians chapter 4, 12 to 13, it talks about, anyway, let's just look at that together. Ephesians 4, in relation to the perfection. 12, 13, Ephesians chapter 4. For the perfecting of the saints, speaking of the, the, of the, the Bible ministry, is that okay? Now the Bible ministry of Ephesians 4, 11 that we are looking at is for the perfection of the saint, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Was well, the next thing. And it says, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Did you get this? Go tell that fox, on the third day I shall be perfected. Who is that? He's talking about his body. He's talking about the body coming to the place of maturity. And what is that supposed to mean? Now, there's something here you need to understand. Do we come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, not the knowledge of the Son of Man? Hallelujah. And he said, unto a perfect man, a mature man. Can you take this from the Amplified Translation? Maybe we'll have something else we can look at. Okay, so then, we may no longer be what are you doing? That is, it might develop until we all attain oneness in the faith and the comprehension of the full and accurate knowledge of the Son of God that we might arrive at really mature manhood, the completeness of personality which is nothing less than what? The standard height of Christ's own particular perfection and the measure of the stature of the fullness of the Christ and the completeness, what? Found in him. Did you get that? The excess of the five ministry is supposed to bring us to the place of perfection. Now, sometimes when I watch what goes on, you know, within the body of Christ, I'm amazed. Because we as ministers, we've really left off what we are supposed to do. I was watching a video a few days ago. I don't know how I stumbled on it. And here was this man that was prophesying. And I mean, all he was just saying was 
prophesying, talking to people and talking to particular individuals, how the man steal his master's money and so on and so forth. He speak for five minutes, then people will sing. You speak for five minutes, the choir will sing, and so on and so forth. You know, I'm just wondering, for the whole service, you are just there to tell us how the person stole his master's money. How is that going to get the people matured? I mean, when the people leave the service, what are they going home with? That's the question. What are they going home with? And that's exactly, of course, the scripture says people love it so. That's exactly what we do. Fiala does in this, what you call, prophetic ministry. They just go there, every other person sit down and be waiting for when the man of God will come and start giving prophecies to people and saying certain things that have nothing to do with Christ one bit. But the purpose of the fireball ministry is to bring the whole house to the place of maturity. You and I get to the place of maturity to the fullness of the Christ spirit. Hallelujah. No matter what you, you try to do, no matter what you believe, no matter what, uh, I don't know how to put it, fantastic your ministry will be and the church you attended will be, no matter the crowd, whatever. If the people can't get matured in the fullness of Christ as God has ordained, it's just nothing but religion. Nothing but religion. Praise the living God. So the emphasis is the saints. How can we bring them to the place of maturity? And that's what I'm saying. The people that are getting matured are those who are ascended unto my Zion. These are the people of the tall day company, if I may use the word. Don't forget what Jesus said in Luke 13, 32. Go to that fox. Today I'm casting a devil, I'm doing cures, but on the third day I shall be perfected. And now when we come to the third day, we're talking about getting to the place of the perfection of the Son of Man, the knowledge of the Son of Man, I mean Son of God, not Son of Man. Hallelujah. Somebody say, oh, Pastor David, so what's the difference? Remember, he became the son of God to the spirit of holiness, according to Romans chapter 1, 3, 4. Amen? Son of man is a man in the natural, gradually walking with the spirit of God. Of course, scripture was addressing people like Ezekiel, son of man, prophesy, son of man, prophesy, right? That because they have the spirit in him. But we are talking about walking in the fullness of the Godhead, according to Colossians. The fullness of the Godhead, nothing to do with imperfection, in quotes. And what is perfection? Maturity in Christ. And that's what God is bringing us into. That you as individuals will come to the place of maturity. You can assess the spirit. You can see things for yourself. You can have understanding. You are no longer slaves. Praise the Lord. Are we still here? What it really means is when you come to a place of maturity, you sin with the eyes of the Spirit, not in terms of vision. But I'll show you. Luke 11, verse 34 tells us something. Luke 11, 34. No, King James is okay. And it says, The light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when the eyes is single, the whole body is also full of light. But when the eye is evil, the body also is full of what? Darkness. Now, remember, it didn't say eyes, it said eye. Did you notice that? <laughs> but you know, you are supposed to have two eyes, isn't it? By implication, your two eyes are synchronized into one. A clearer understanding. And what is that supposed to mean? You can't be having Christ and having devil at the same time. When your mind is single as to who Christ is, the whole of your body shall be full of light. But when you are schizophrenic, what do I mean by that? Oh, on one hand is Christ, on the other hand is the devil. Then you are double-minded. Then your eye is not single. Are you with me? 
your eyes not single unto the Lord, then you can have light in your body. For when your eye, not eyes, when your eye is single, your whole body shall be what? Full of light. And where there is the light, there is no darkness at all. What I mean is, darkness cannot comprehend the light. And all of this thing takes place when we move into the dimension that I call the third day dimension. Are you seeing it? Praise the living God. So you can't be taking Christ and thinking the devil at the same time. No. I said no. It just can't work that way. But that's exactly what we do. I've explained to us here. You can't possess a devil. But the devil can attack you. Or Satan can attack you. Whatever they want to put that. But you can't possess it. Neither can the devil possess you. To possess me to own. You can't own the devil. You are God's property. And you own Christ. Period. Hallelujah. I illustrated that to you the other time. You know, it is wrong when we use the word, I have fever. You don't really own it. It's an attack. You are attacked by fever. You can't claim ownership of something stupid. No. It infiltrated you. Yes, okay. You are attacked by fever. If you own it, why do you take medication to get out of it? How many of you want to own property and you want to give it out? No. So, fever attack you. Makes sense. And then you take medication to drive it away. Because you don't want to own it. Nobody wants to own a property and give it out at the same time. Am I correct, somebody? So, you don't own fever. Fever doesn't own you. But fever can attack you. Same thing. The devil doesn't own you. Neither do you own the devil. But the devil can attack you. Oh, yes. But you can deal with it. That's why they cast out devils. It's not your property, neither are you the devil's property. Praise God. Are we still here? So, in the words of God, the mind of Christ is vitally important. What am I trying to say? Once Abraham saw on Moriah on the third day was actually the sacrifice of who? Of Christ. Which is the third day. Can you get that? On the third day I shall be perfected. When he got down to Mount Moriah, saw the third day, on the third day, he told his servant to hold back there. He went alone with who? With Isaac. A type of Christ. So I'm saying, there are people that can move on to the third day that are completely out of that which is which I would describe as a realm of being servants into a new dimension. Praise the living God. In Hebrews, remember, in Hebrews chapter, chapter 11, verse 10, we have this scripture. Hebrews 11, verse 10. For he looked for a city, listen to this, which had foundation, would build and make eyes who is God. Who are looking for a city? Abraham. He looked for a city, would build and make her is God. And 1 Corinthians 3 11 tells us the same thing. On that foundation can no man lay, except which is laid by who? By Christ. So when on the third day he saw, he was looking ahead to the sacrifice of Jesus. He was looking ahead to the time Christ will rise from the grave. And then the foundation will properly be laid or the city will come into existence. The city was looking for was not in existence in his day because then Christ had not been sacrificed. But he saw that among Moriah on the third day of his journey. Praise the Lord. By implication, every other concept of sacrifice cannot give you a foundation to work with God. No other foundation can be laid except that which is laid by who? Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. 
Are we still following? All right. So I'm going to show you this. For a minute, few minutes, let's see what happened. Galatians 4. Look at verse 25 and 26. Walking the dimension of a clear insider perspective of who God has called us to be. Let's go back a little bit from verse 23. But he who was of the bondage, okay, go back to, <laughs> let's say 20, so that we can get a clearer picture of that. Now, I desire to be present with you now and to change my voice, for I stand in doubt of you. Verse 21. Tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do you hear the law? For it is written, that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by promise. What that supposed to mean? You know, we're discussing Haggai and Sarah. Is that okay? Isaac came through the promise of God. Okay, move on. And I said, which things are an allegory for well, these are the two covenants. The one from the Mount Sinai, which gender out the bondage, which is Agai. Now, I want you to see this. I said that the other time. You see people talking about going to Jerusalem. People talking about building the third temple in Jerusalem. What a time and precious money wasted. God is saying anything in the present physical Jerusalem is bondage even with our children. It will be shocking for you to understand that the Jews, even up to this hour, 80% of the Jews, if I may use the word, don't believe in Christ. How many of you understand that? They don't believe in Christ. They are still expecting the Messiah. They go to the willing wall to pray for the Messiah to come. They call it the willing wall of Jerusalem. Right? They don't still believe that Jesus has come. No. So, as a matter of fact, Jerusalem divided into three different component. You have the Jews, you have the, the Christians, and you have the Palestinians or the Armenians, I don't know what you want to call that. Three set of people. When you do your Christmas, they don't allow the Christians to do Christmas there. Because they don't believe in it. And the Bible is saying this by bondage. But what happens to Christians? They pay hard money to go to where? Jerusalem. In the name of looking for Christ or power or whatever. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. You ask me, will you ever go to Jerusalem? If I have to go there, it's not for pilgrimage. I just go there for sightseeing. I go there like I go to any other nation. And if possible, I go there to preach. You don't find Christ in Jerusalem. Physical Jerusalem. Look at the next thing. Man Sinai is a guy. What's the next thing? For this a guy is Man Sinai in Arabia. And that's right to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with our children. Glory to God. I didn't say it. The scripture says it. The Jerusalem, which now is in bondage with our children. And somebody will recommend you. You go up there, tell you by prayer, sure. Get a chauffeur. Chauffeur horn, get oil from uh, uh, mustard seed. Uh, and I bring them back home and I want to sell them this mustard seed from Jerusalem and it causes much, much, much. And you go for that. Hallelujah. Go to the next thing. And he said, But Jerusalem, which is above, is what? Is free, which is the mother of us all. Hallelujah. The Jerusalem which is above is free. Hallelujah. So there are two Jerusalems here being compared. The physical Jerusalem and the spiritual Jerusalem. I remember what we said before. The spiritual Jerusalem according to Hebrews chapter 12 verse 22 is what? Mount Zion. And in this place there is freedom. And who was staying in Mount Zion? David and his people. The king and the wives and then the children, the prince and the princess. They were the people that were on Mount Zion. With the Jerusalem from above. 
Hallelujah. Praise God. So there is a natural Jerusalem, there's a spiritual Jerusalem or physical Jerusalem in comparison. You'll be able to understand that. And God is saying, you move on. You can't stay in the physical Jerusalem. That is tradition, that is religion, have nothing to do with God. Absolutely nothing. Hallelujah. And so, when you move on, oh glory, to Mount Zion, when you move on to this new heavenly Jerusalem, you become a bride of Christ. He said that Jerusalem is a bride, as it were, a queen. Is that okay? It's a mother of us all. We have been given battle in this new realm, just like the sons of David, who was the king, was given battle in another dimension of life, though within the vicinity of Jerusalem. They were up in Mount Zion, remain poor downstairs. Praise the living God. Now, there is something I would like you to see. And it's very important you understand this. <laughs> Mothers are not necessarily the people that rules. This is the way it works. You can't be a son without being a bride. You can't be a son of God without being the wife of Christ. Are you following me? It is you being the wife of Christ that you bring forth the man-child. So you move him from one level of life, of relationship, to the place of sonship with authority. Queens don't rule. Sons do. Understand what I'm trying to say? I'll show you from scriptures. If you look at Second Chronicles, for instance, verse 15, Second Chronicles chapter 15, verse 16, we have this wicked ruler who was a queen. And also concerning Micaiah, the mother of Asa, the king, he removed her from being queen because she had made an idol in a grove. And Asa cut down her idol and stamped it and burnt it at the brook Kidron. You are the wicked queen. And can I tell you today, we have a lot of wicked queens all over the place. Mystery Babylon. We have a lot of idols in our churches. I'm not talking of physical idols. You know what I mean? Let me give you a simple illustration. First John chapter 5, verse 20 and 21. Let me show you something. Hallelujah. First John chapter 5, 20, 21. And we know that the Son of God is come and has given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. And we are in him that is true. Even in his Son, Jesus Christ. And I love the definition. This is the true God and eternal life. Who is the true God? Jesus Christ. But this is where I'm taking you to. Look at the next verse. Little children, keep yourself from what? Idols. Amen. What are the idols? To think outside of Jesus being God into something else is idolatry. So when I say the church is full of idols, I'm not talking of physical idols. But what is your picture about Jesus? What is your understanding about Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? How has he become your personal savior? What's your relationship with the Jesus that you ought to know? If you're relating with Jesus, do you believe you are relating with God? Keep yourself from idols, little children. For this is the true God and eternal life. Hallelujah. So keep yourself from idols. Stop thinking God and thinking devil. Start thinking 
You understand that? Be single eye. Luke eleven thirty six again. If your eye be single, your whole body shall be what? Full of light. You see a lot of debate going on. Jesus is not God. You know, Jesus is Yeshua. And this other man is Yeshua and Yahweh. You know, how do crazy things. Hallelujah. The scripture is plain. This is the true God and eternal life. Keep yourself from idols. Anything that divides your attention or gets you from thinking that Jesus is God into something else, you are into idolatry. Hallelujah. Now, let me help you a little bit here. Go with me to Colossians 3. Look at us 3 and 4. Who is the Son of God? That at Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. Now, look at this. For you are dead, and your life is here with Christ in God. Verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, hallelujah, shall appear, then shall we also appear with him, what? In glory. When Christ, who is our life? Remember in Matthew 16, when the question came, who do men say? What happened? When Peter said, that are the Christ, the son of the living God. Mm. So, in your understanding of who Christ is, as the Son of the Living God, relating with Him, taking you to God, becoming one with God, is what we are trying to say. John 17. Your understanding of this thing that Jesus and God are but one, and that you coming into the system, you are becoming one with God. That's exactly what Jesus was teaching in John 17. Hallelujah. Now, thinking outside of that is what? Idol worship. That is idolatry. Thinking less of who you are in relation to Christ is idolatry. Listening to messages that cannot unite you more and give you understanding of the power and the life of God within you is idolatry. Keep yourself from idols, little children. Whatever messages you are receiving that cannot give you your true identity is idolatry. Because shifting your focus. Hallelujah. Are you still with me? Praise the living God. Let's read the scripture and then we'll close for today. Exodus 24. We look at verse 1 and then we just move to verse 11 and 12. This is when Moses moved up to this mountain with his 70 elders were to come below at the end of the day. He moved to the, the mountain, Mount Sinai, and then he called up uh, Aaron and all that. So he said, and he said unto Moses, come up, God is speaking to Moses, come up unto me, um, um, of the Lord, thou and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and worship ye of Pharaoh. Come up. Is that okay? Remember, this is a story when this people moved up. What did not happen? And if you take time to read, okay, go to verse 11 and go to verse 12. Verse 11. And upon the numbers of the children of Israel, he laid not his hand also. They saw God and did eat and drank with him. In quotes. Verse 12. And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me unto the mount and be there, and I will give thee tables of stone and a law and commandment which I have written that thou mayest teach them. Now watch this. They were all in the same mountain. Moses was asked to go up. Aaron was not supposed to be going up with him. The 70 elders were not supposed to be going up with him. Only Moses went up. So, halfway the mountain, Aaron and those people, they were somewhere there. Moses went up there, and then down below, you have the congregation of the people. So, you find there are three categories of people right here. Hallelujah. Those who were left behind ended up going into idolatry by telling Aaron, I mean uh, Joshua, to make the world, I mean Aaron now, to make the world the golden calf at the end of the day. 
Praise the living God. But what I want you to see here is this. What Moses saw was not what the 70 elders saw. The understanding and the relationship that Moses had with God was not what the 70 elders had with God. But they were all Israelites. That's the point I'm raising. So there are some people, when we move on to Mount Zion, what you see is not what the whole congregation sees. What I mean congregation, the entire body of Christ. That's not what they see. One of the appeals I must make tonight is this. There is a long journey based on what God has written in your life. Let me explain. You see, before you came to this world, God has a special identity for you. What you are going to become is written in your genetic code. Your identifying with that is what opens the heavens to you. In whatever thing you are supposed to do, whatever thing you are supposed to be doing, your ability to discover what is written about you. You know, if you look at the book of Hebrews, I think chapter 10 or so, where the Bible says, Lo, in the volume of the book is written about me. I mean, if you remember that, Jesus was saying that. But that thing is not just about Jesus, it's taken actually from the book of Psalms. And it's not just about Jesus alone, it's about each and every one of us. Why? Because the thing that is written about Jesus is actually written about us. He is the head where his body. Until you find this union, you can't see the heavens open. For you to have a personal relationship and identity with God, it's not possible. There are men that have to go up. God is intending that you come up. You see that God said the same thing to. Okay, we said Jesus said that. God as well. In Revelation chapter 4, remember that verse 1. Spoke to John, come up here and I will show you. God doesn't show men things down below the mountain. It's always come up here. The higher you go in God, the clearer the vision becomes. Even the things you see, the things you get to know, the things you should be understanding, the clearer it becomes. Praise the living God. So you need to come to that place in your walk with God. To have a personal relationship in such a dimension that you are moving out of the lower dimension of life into a higher dimension of life, which is actually Mount Zion. To have a personal relationship, a personal commission. I always try to ask you this question. What is God saying to you? How have you heard God of late? What is God actually communicating to you about your life? Praise the Lord. And it's so important. So, here we see Moses got close to God. Aaron and his son and the 70 elders who climbed up saw God afar off, but did not get near him. And the rest of the multitude who were at the base of the mountain, who eventually fell into idolatry, when Aaron could not climb further, came down to them. This is the point. Look at the picture. Moses was going up. Aaron and his son were supposed to go with him. They got to a certain level, they asked them to stay back. And then the 70 elders also were asked to stay back. It's just like he was going and he saw on the third day Mount Moriah and all the servants to stay back. I mean, Abraham now. You understand what I mean? Good. Few individuals got up to the peak of the mountain, and that's somebody like Moses. And those who were left behind, what happened? Finally, Aaron came and helped the people out by making a golden calf for them. Keep yourself from idols. Where you don't see God, as you should be seeing him, you can't help yourself but to go into idolatry. When your eyes is not single unto God, men, you'll be seeing the devil, you'll be seeing Christ at the same time. Double-minded man, let him know he can receive nothing from God. And once your heart becomes doubled in that dimension, darkness takes over your life. Remember what the Bible says? When your eye is single, your whole body shall be wall full of light. Get it right. Praise the living God, somebody. I'm talking of the experience of man's eye. So when we're saying, Lo, um, I saw the lamb stand on Manzaya within water of 44,000, 
We're talking about the sons of God, the children of God, who have been better by the Spirit of Christ, having the same fellowship in that dimension of Mount Zion, which is the church of the living God. A higher life than the normal life. Let me say this while I close. Every one of you listening to me, you can do miracles. Every one of you listening to me, you can perform miracles. Every one of you hearing the sound of my voice, you can do signs and wonders and miracles. You have a relationship with Christ. It's not you doing it. It's the Christ in you that will have to do it. But you have to believe this. You have to know it. You have to understand where you are. You have to know who you belong to. You have to know who your life really is. Praise the living God. And that's exactly what we're saying. On the third day, I shall be perfected. What is the I? My church, my body is the head. Where is his body? I shall be perfected. I'll come to the place of maturity. Again, I appeal to you. If you can still be tossed to and fro, then I'll say, please come up here. Because we must come to the place where we can no longer be tossed to and fro by what? Every wind of doctrine. We can't be tossed to and fro. If you come to that dimension of being swayed by whatever people teach whatever they see, which does not have relationship with God, of course you must understand that you have not ascended under Messiah. You are still down below the mountain. You've joined the camp of the people where they asked Aaron to make for them a golden calf. Now get this right. Aaron was supposed to be a priest with his children. I mean, if you understand what I mean. But here is a priest constructing an idol for people. That tells you that it's not a question of somebody being a pastor. We have a lot of us who can construct idols for people to worship and forsake the true God. Aaron was a priest, but he ended up forming an idol for people to worship him. But we know that Jesus is the true God. Therefore, keep yourself from what? From idols. Stop thinking of Jesus as something else. Stop thinking that, well, stop picturing Jesus to be what you see in calendars. You know, do you understand what I mean? All the things you see in calendars, somebody with blue eyes, that is not Jesus. Huh? Blue eyes looking at you like this. You look at the picture, looking at you like this. That's not Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? It has nothing to do with Jesus. In fact, if you really want to, there's an artist that painted Jesus, and when you follow the artist's picture, he painted it from Psalm 53. When he said, if you view him, there's no comeliness because of the beating that was taken. When he looked at Jesus with the beating, you can't even hang him in your, in your picture, in your house. Depend on the concept. And one of the first men that painted Jesus Christ in Africa was a Cameroonian. And he painted in blood because then he had never seen a white man. That's what he knows. So the things you see on your wall, that's not Jesus. That is why you have to be careful because if the real Jesus appear to you, you will miss him because your mind will go into the one you see on the wall. Hallelujah. Are we still here? What am I saying? There's a dimension you can move into in God and you begin to perceive clarity. You know who God is. You know who your life is because you have a relationship with him. Mount Zion is a place where righteousness, where authority of God is being manifested. And this authority flows through love. Praise the living God. Understanding will set you free. You are not by any means the acts to stay with Haggai. That's the realm of bondage. That's the realm of physical Jerusalem. But we come up to the heavenly Jerusalem, which is the mother of all soul. And I explained this to you the other time. Mother give birth to children. So what is that supposed to mean? Talking about a church that has the word of God 
that can be fertilized by the Holy Spirit. That's how you are giving birth to. If you have a church, you go to a church where the word is not being taught, that's idolatry. Why did I say that? Because there will be nothing for the Holy Spirit to fertilize, and so you can't come to the place of true sonship. Next week, I'll make you understand that Revelation 12, it is the man-child that was asked to rule the nations with the rod of iron, not the queen that gave birth to the man-child. The church is not ultimately where rulership is coming from, but sons being better in the church. They are the people that are going to rule. Praise the living God. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org. God bless you.